your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in, everyone, to another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We thank you for making the Locked On Eagles podcast your first listen of each and every day. And this edition of the show is brought to you by our friends over at On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information on search Super Bowl on location. Once again, I'm Gino Camilleri joining you here on the Locked On Eagles podcast, the Wednesday edition of the show. And we are taking the week off here at the Locked On Eagles podcast in terms of game week. We're doing it a little different this time. We will not have a crossover, obviously, because this is the bye week. So we're just going to get into a few different discussions here through the rest of the week before we get prepared after the bye to talk about the matchup against Washington. Today, what I wanted to do was go back to what I talked about prior to this season. I did a three-part segment on this where I went through the first six games, the second six games, and the final five games. And I kind of broke it down where I expected this team to be along the way. And through 13 games, I would say that this is a better position than I thought they would be in. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Just how I would grade this team out through the first 13 games. In segment two, I'm going to go game by game, talk about break up the season into three parts. We'll do the first four, the second four, the final five games to get us to that 13 games where we currently are. And then we will discuss where we are going to go from here. And then in the final segment, we're going to talk about where I would grade out the offense, defense, and special teams, stick along the lines of how I expected them prior to the season to where they are today. But before we do that, there are just a few pieces of news here in Philadelphia. It is a bye week, but the Eagles still are putting out contract extensions in Philadelphia. This one comes at the hands of not a big name, a guy that might have to legally change his name, in LaRaven Clark. I think he has to legally change his name to LaEagle Clark now that he will be in Philadelphia for the next two years and this year included for a total of three years here in Philly. LaEagle Clark, I'm going to keep calling him that because it's way better than LaRaven Clark. We know that. Just signed a two-year contract extension to remain in Philadelphia, and that is a big addition in terms of the depth of this team. And somebody that I was very high on coming through the offseason that they had signed as an under-the-radar type of guy, somebody who's been in and out of the roster due to different predicaments in terms of he held himself out for COVID last year, and then this year he's been on and off the roster due to injuries. He's been a guy that was on the practice squad, and now he firmly is set up to be the swing tackle of the next couple of years. I look at this move, and I look at Andre Dillard and say, okay, maybe this is setting up for a situation where they look to move on from Dillard because they know they have Jordan Maialato to start at left tackle for the next four-plus years. You know you have Lane Johnson for the near future, and he'll probably re-up his contract as long as he's in a very good headspace, which it seems like he is 
after those couple games that he was out with his personal issue. We're glad to see him back. But now that's a big hole for a guy like Andre Dillard who's saying, hey, I put out some decent tape earlier this year. There are teams that might be able to start me. And the Eagles, he would be the second guy off the bench. He would be the guy that you look, it's either him or LaRaven Clark. And if you have to choose a guy to go play right tackle, you're more than likely going to go with LaRaven Clark because he's a guy that truly is a swing tackle, a player who could play left tackle and right tackle, as opposed to Andre Dillard, who they were forced to move Jordan Maialata from left tackle to right tackle to accommodate Andre Dillard on the football field. Still a young player, still a guy that this season has put out enough tape that I believe a team should take a flyer on him. And if you look at some of the offensive line play in the NFL, the fact that Bobby Hart is still in the league and still getting paid, he just signed to Buffalo. Why can't Andre Dillard be a starter somewhere? And I just don't think that Philadelphia is the place for him with what happened when he got drafted at that position where he comes in and the whole right tackle situation. We don't want to go back on that. Stoutland wasn't too fond of him. Then he gets that injury, comes into year three, is fighting to be the number one. And clearly Jordan Maialata got the better of him in the offseason and currently in the regular season too because he moved back to that spot once Lane Johnson came back. Nothing to Andre Dillard when you have such a good offensive line, and I would say a a near elite offensive line for a lot of this season. It's just a tough situation for Andre to be in, and I think that Howie Roseman might look to try and unload Andre Dillard for a a fourth or maybe even a third-round pick. These guys, these, these tackles that are high draft picks, even though they might not have worked out in their first destination, teams are willing to take a chance on them because offensive line play is so poor. And we should not, not ever take for granted how good this offensive line play is. And LaRaven Clark will only be a good depth piece. With some movement going on in this offseason, I would expect a a door to open up for a potential Andre Dillard trade. And potentially they add some more guys in the draft. They're always looking at the draft to add depth pieces. You look at Jack Driscoll. You look back a couple years ago in Big V. You saw what he did for this team. They're going to continue to go down that street. They're going to continue to stick on this road of success and building a good offensive line. And that comes from doing it in the margins as well, because past your top five, you got to have at least five or six guys that could come off the bench ready to go. It's almost if you are a fan of the English Premier League, where they play in the season, they play in two domestic cups, and then they also play in a European cup. So there's times where they're playing three games in seven days, and they need 22 guys to form two starting 11s that could potentially go out there at any given time. That's what an offensive line is to me. You have to have at least eight guys, at least eight guys that can go out there and contribute week to week, that can come in in some moments like a guy like Suo Opeta, a guy like Nate Herbig, for example, Jack Driscoll, somebody who has that tackle guard flexibility. And then you have to have an all-star guy at center with somebody waiting in the wings like Landon Dickerson. And speaking of an all-star at center, hats off to Jason Kelsey, this other bit of news, and I think this is one of the bright spots that we have to highlight in this league, is Jason Kelsey was selected to be the Philadelphia Eagles Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee, where he will go up against the other 31 teams who all selected a candidate to be selected for the Walter Payton 
man of the year. That is a high honor, one of the highest, I would say, humanitarian honors in the NFL. These guys give back to the community. There's a cool clip that PhiladelphiaEagles.com put out with Jeffrey Lurie and Jason Kelsey. Jeffrey Lurie absolutely was gushing over Jason Kelsey and what he does not only on the field, but what he does for the autism awareness charity that Jeffrey Lurie holds so close to his heart, what he does for Habitat for Humanity, the Ronald McDonald House. Jason Kelsey, the day that guy retires, there are going to be many tears shed in Philadelphia. But right now, he's a big reason to why the Eagles have gotten to where they are, why they are currently sitting at 6-7. and And we're going to take a trip down memory lane here through the first 13 weeks as we kind of take a status quo, kind of figure out where we are as a team as opposed to what we thought prior to the season. But before we get into that, we have a message from our friends over at On Location. Super Bowl 56 is at SoFi Stadium, and it is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from an elite experience featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck one of my favorite chefs out there. I have all of his cooking stuff. I'm in the kitchen when I am not podcasting. Visit onlocationexp.com slash Super Bowl 56. That's SB56 for more information on, or you could search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or su- search Super Bowl on location. This show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. They have been one of our top presenting sponsors for as long as we can remember here at the Locked On Eagles podcast. Bet Online has you covered for all the props throughout the season. I've been doing unbelievable amounts of player props, not on the Philadelphia Eagles, even on all of the teams. On Monday night, Josh Allen over in that bad snowstorm was the way to go. And you could get in on the action at the number one spot for all sports this season. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On, L O C K E D, for a 50% welcome bonus for basketball football nba you have ufc you have all the soccer action going on all the time champions league you have europa league you have the conference league i love soccer you know how i am i'm always betting on it at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts All right, everybody, welcome on back here to the Locked On Eagles podcast, this Wednesday edition of the show. Thank you for making the Locked On Eagles podcast your first listen of each and every day. I am your host, Gino Camilleri, and I am talking about where the Eagles stand, taking a little bit of a report card, as you would say. And I did this prior to the season. I had prefaced this in in segment one of the show today that I went through the schedule. I went through three different episodes doing this. I did the first six, the second six, and the final five. I broke it down how I thought they would do through those three stretches. And I'm going to kind of do exactly that type of thing today, but break it down by the first four games, the second four games, and then the final five games here before the bye. And what I have expected and how I feel that they have done in these games and how they've gotten to six and seven. Has it been in the fashion I had thought? Potentially, potentially not. Let's start off week one against Atlanta. They get that win 32 to six. They come out of the gates firing. And then in the next three games, they suffer losses at the hands of San Francisco 17 to 11, 
Dallas 41 to 21, and then Kansas City 42 to 30. After that second week in San Francisco where that game was back and forth the whole time, both defenses really looked good, and it just came down to what quarterback made a play towards the end of the game. Jimmy G did that. But then in the next couple games, it came down to the quarterbacks on the other side of the football, completely erasing the game plan on defense that the Eagles had and showing what elite quarterback play can do for a football team in Dak Prescott putting up 41 points. And then the next week in Patrick Mahomes putting up 42 points. That was a rough stretch for the Eagles defense after those original two games where they came out and held a team to six points and then 17 to go 41 and 42, allowing 83 points over those two games. It was one of the worst stretches in Philadelphia Eagles history when it comes to the defense. And their offense wasn't doing as great in that Dallas and Kansas City game. They really didn't get anything going until the game was really out of reach. And we didn't know what that team was through those first four games. They come out of that stretch at one and three. I thought at best they might be able to get out of there at two and two, pick up that win against San Francisco. But how they were failing to have an identity on either side of the football early on in the season... It didn't surprise me completely that they were at one and three, especially because we knew how hard that first six game stretch would be. And especially those first four where you played San Francisco, who at the time was much healthier than they are now. And they're still a good football team. And they might end up getting the tiebreaker for this game for the wild card because of that game. And then you lose two to Dallas in Jerry world. And then you lose at home against Kansas city. And in that, first four game stretch, you kind of found out that, hey, maybe we might not be able to live up to some of these high flying offenses in the NFL, like Dallas, like Kansas City, even though that first week in Atlanta, we did put up 32. Maybe that was kind of a fool's gold. So then we move on into that second stretch where they go on the road to Carolina. They're kind of out of it the whole game, end up working their way back, pick up a 21 to 18 win. Then they play Tampa Bay at home where they lose 28 to 22. They potentially had chances to win that game. They were in it a lot of the time and they just got overmatched when it came to the trench play. They weren't really able to run the ball at all. And then we know what happened the next week in Las Vegas. The debacle. The rock bottom, some would say, as I would say. The I would say the the wall at the end at the end of the no non-lit room where you just get there and you're like, man, where do we go from here? I, I don't see a vision. It's almost like in when in cartoons they would draw the tunnel for the train and it would run into a wall, and that's what it felt like for the Eagles, but not a, not a train, like maybe a horse and buggy. They weren't too great through the first eight weeks of the season until that eighth week when they hit Detroit and they finally got it together. So that second game, that second four-game stretch, rather, they go two and two. They get back on track. So after eight games, they're three and five. And you're saying after that Detroit game, okay, we maybe we left everything that happened in Las Vegas, everything that happened in Tampa Bay there. And maybe we had moved on. Maybe we're playing better. Maybe we're getting an identity on offense. Because even in that Carolina game, even in that Tampa game, they really didn't have the identity which they have today. And we'll talk about in the next five-game stretch of how they got – to be as successful as they were, as they are currently, it's because they were doing a lot of the things that they didn't do well in those first two four-game stretches that they started to get 
going in that Detroit game, that eighth game. That was really when you when you're in elementary school and you go through like this is the root cause of the story, and then this is the rising action, and then you get to the climax. I feel like that Detroit game was almost the climax of the season. Whether it was going to be good or bad, whether they were going to fall off said cliff or they were going to continue to rise up the ranks and do a little bit better, which they did via the running game against Tampa Bay. They couldn't get that running game going. We knew that that was one of those games where we would look back and say, man, if only, if only. And I was one of the people that said, you can't run in this game. You can't. But now I look and say, they could run against anybody. Failed to do that against Tampa. Failed to get anything going against Las Vegas. And they left that behind them. And through eight games, I was saying, okay, maybe they don't have an identity to an extent. But they're good enough in terms of overcoming adversity to be in one-score games. To be in games against Tampa and only lose by six points. To blow out a Detroit Lions team. To blow out an Atlanta Falcons team earlier in the year. Maybe they have a little bit of hint of very good play under their belt that we're just waiting to see it come out and overflow at the seams. And that takes us to the final five games here before the bye, where they go, go back home after you beat Detroit on the road after a two-game road streak. You go home against the Chargers. In that game until the very, very end, the defense couldn't get a stop. You lose 27-24. to Man, that was a tough game to lose. But then the next week, where I was able to see them at Denver, they go out there and dominate against Denver. The following week, they go out there and dominate dominate against New Orleans. They don't dominate the next week against the Giants, but then they go out and dominate against the New York Jets. Three times they scored 30 points in these last five games, and that puts them at a stretch that I never thought they would. I thought maybe on the season they get to five or six 30-point games. They scored 30 against Atlanta. They scored 30 against Kansas City. They scored 44 against Detroit. They scored 30 against Denver. They scored 40 against New Orleans, and they scored 33 against the Jets. So we're already at six 30-game performances, which could take them to around eight on the season, which I very well believe that they could. They have another game against the Giants, which I would expect them to get back on track against that team and not lay an egg like they did the following the, the previous week to that Jets game. And then you have two against Washington, whose defense has been hit or miss. And then Dallas, they might be sitting all their guys because they might have clinched the division at that last week. So you might be in nine games of 30-plus points on offense, which for myself and Lou, if we're sitting here and talking about what we wanted for an offense, yes, it's not that high-profile passing offense, which we want, but we want points at the end of the day. It's a result busy. Results are driven business, excuse me. And the results are they're putting up points, especially in the last five weeks. You put up 24, 30, 40, you lay an egg and you only score seven, but then you put up 33 again against the Jets. Can you continue that on? Because that final five-game stretch, which I'm discussing, where they go three and two after going one and three, two and two, you finally get to three and two. You have a winning record in this, this five-game stretch here. Can you carry that on? Can you move into a territory where it's division opponents and get everything right when you're rested up? When your back is against the wall and you have to win out the rest of the games, much like they did in 2017, 18, 19, 20, and now once again in 2021, can they do that? 
can they win this stretch of games to get them to a wildcard position? And going back to where this discussion stemmed from, where did I think this team would be at the end of the year? I didn't think they'd be in the playoffs. I thought they might battle for a wild card spot, might be in the hunt on that graphic until the end of the season, right at week 18 when everything's all settled. But here they are, a half game back of the wild card, with the upper hand on a team that's right above them in a team like the Saints, in a team like Carolina, or I should say below them. They have the upper hand on those teams because they beat them. And then the teams above them in Washington, you have two games against them. So if you can win those two games, you're sitting at 8-7. and seven. If you could even pull three out of these final four games, and let's say you only get two of them. If you get two, you're still sitting at 8-9 and nine when the season is all said and done. That's better than the six and a half Vegas had them at. That's better than what I expected them to be with seven wins. But I fully expect them to get to nine wins. I really do. The way this team is playing, I think they can get nine wins. I I really do. To go three and one in this final stretch after the bye week where they're going to get a ton of rest, get a ton of players back healthy really when they need it. Jalen Hurts, your quarterback, is coming back against a team like Washington, who I think he should give him them a lot of trouble. He gave Dallas a lot of trouble with his legs, but now with his arm, can he put it together against the Giants again, against Washington twice, against Dallas? Because now with this run game-based identity and a defense which is holding teams to a limited amount of points, I mean, they held Justin Herbert to 27 which is fair. I mean, he's a great player. They held Teddy Bridgewater to 13. One came towards the end of the game. You hold that New Orleans offense to 29 points, and a lot of them came in the the fourth quarter, holding the Giants to 13 and the Jets to 18. Like, give me a 30-point offense, give me a 20-point defense, and you will see this team have a chance to make the playoffs. They had the easiest schedule coming out of that stretch after they played – Denver after they played New Orleans once it was the Giants Jets Washington Giants Washington Dallas that was the easiest schedule and they still have a very pretty manageable stretch here coming up can I think that they would get to the wild card did I think they could do that before the season started I did not I did not think they would have a chance but Nick Sirianni he's impressed me players on both sides of the ball have just continued to impress me there's some coordinators that are hit or miss, but when it comes down to brass tacks, this team is a a tough fighting team, team that will fight through adversity, team that doesn't care who they're playing week in and week out, will show up and play their brand of football. They're going to run the football. They're going to try to bend, don't break on defense. And then when it's all said and done, if they end with 30 points, they're most likely going to come out with a victory. I would have to give this 13-game stretch, I'd say a B. Because it's better than expectations. There were a few games that were disappointments. The Raiders game, first couple games against Dallas, Tampa Bay, that Giants game. Six and seven. I think that's right where you would want this young team to be. They could have just fell off the tracks after that Carolina game where you go loss, loss, win, loss. Could have came out to Denver, been bad. Could have lost to New Orleans again, which they always do could have blown that game in Carolina and you could have been on a streak like Doug Peterson was in 2016 
where after they went 3-0, and they really struggled to get things going. I think Nick Sirianni and everybody around this team has them in a place where they can compete for the playoffs and can compete for a wild card spot. A B is a solid season so far. It'll come down to how they finish. Can they turn it into an A? Or do they drop down to a C- minus or a D? But those grades, we're actually talking letter grades for the offense, defense, and special teams when I come back to finish up this edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast here on Wednesday. But before I do that, we have a message from our friends, of course. Take a guess over at Built Bar. Built Bar, best tasting protein bar in the game. Best tasting protein bar in the game. Best tasting protein bar in the game. I'm going to continue to say that because it's true. And when I took teaching classes, they say, say things three times because people will be more apt to remember it. So I said it three times. And not only are you getting a delicious, delicious protein bar, but you get the best of both worlds. They're coming out with these holiday flavors, right? Whew, somebody like me loves cookies. Built Bar is the place to go to get the healthy alternative to them. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need, and people are super passionate about their flavors. My sister-in-law was here on Thanksgiving, and let me tell you, we had a 20-minute discussion on Built Bars and just how good they are. And she loved Cherry Barcia. I love any kind of coconut brownie one that they have. They're all great. And tell Santa Claus to put some into your stocking. Put some under your tree. You could get a box, a mix-and-match box of 18 if you would like. You can get as many as you want, really, if you go to BuiltBar.com. And you could save some money. Use that promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 to get some money off of those marshmallowy delicious treats around the holidays. Something that will make you feel guilt-free and something you could dip in a hot cup of cocoa. Go to Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your first order. All right, everybody, welcome on back here on this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And thank you for making the Lockdown Eagles podcast your first listen each and every day. Gino Camilleri finishing up the show here. Lou DiBiase is being a great grandkid, helping out his grandparents after work. So I am taking over here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Finishing up, Lou will be back tomorrow. We have a pretty intriguing show for you tomorrow. I think everybody will want to tune in. With this freedom that we have here in the bye week, you know Lou and I like to get creative. I think our fans and longtime fans of the Eagles will really like this one. But before we do that, I want to finish up here with the report card for offense, defense, special teams. We're going to start with special teams. I know I've been beating a dead horse. I know you hate me talking about special teams, but it is an important part of this team. If it wasn't for Jake Elliott and Aaron Sipos, I would give this entire special teams unit an F. But I'm going to take them out of the equation and give the rest of the special teams an F and give Aaron Sipos and Jake Elliott an A++. The rest of it, the return unit, the coverage unit, Mike Clay's decision-making has been bad. It's been poor. It's been downright a reason why they're in predicaments and why they're behind the sticks a lot of the times in football games. So Jake Elliott, Aaron Sipos, A++++++, the rest of the special teams, F, F-, minus, 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 minus. Going to defense, this one was tricky for me because I believe a guy like Darius Slay is having an A-plus season, right? But this game isn't measured in individuals outside of special teams where a a place kicker really is an individual and a a punter really is an individual. The rest of the time, defense and offense, it's an 11-man game. Defense, I got to give a C-plus. Because in terms of scoring, like without contextualizing how they get into these positions, holding teams to under 20 points, which they have done, 
besides some of the better offenses where they have allowed a fair amount of points against lesser opponents, they really instill their will. And to be where they are with this personnel that they have with Jonathan Gannon in his rookie year and not being the best play caller with what he has in his pocket and the artillery he has at his disposal, they're still getting the job done for the most part in terms of bending and not breaking. They're getting it done against teams that they should beat. Even in that Giants game where the offense couldn't get going, the defense could have won you that game. They could have won you that game. I think they won you the Broncos game, Darius Slay, uh, second week in a row where he had a defensive touchdown. This defense has done a lot of great things, but at the same time, contextually contextualizing how they get there where they're allowing tons of yards. They're allowing quarterbacks to be high in completion percentage. They're allowing the run game for the first part of the year and still allowing some chunk plays in terms of explosive plays on the ground. They're closer. They're about 75% of the way there to like having that true identity of what they are. But I still think that that last 25% closing a game out, figuring out how to get it going early and really putting it together for all four quarters is the final evolution for that defense, as opposed to the offense who I give and my expectations are beyond blown away of where I thought they could be as an offense. I think this is a, a true B plus performance by everybody. I think Nick Sariani just his total control of this team, his total understanding of the offense and what really got them going in terms of the run game, using that now as their biggest positive and sitting behind guys like Jalen Hurts, you have a Gardner Minshew who you can game plan for when a guy like Jalen Hurts who is injured. And Jalen Hurts, I don't think teams can game plan against this guy because of his legs. He's just such a playmaker and they have put up 30-plus points, what did I say, six times already this season? It's going to be something that they continue to do, and they've only done it with Devontae Smith, Dale Scotter in the running game. Once they get everybody involved, it's an A-plus type of offense that I really see has that identity. I know what they are. They're going to run you down. They're going to be physical on the offensive line, and when they have to hit those chunk plays in terms of the passing game, they're going to be efficient and do so. Jalen Hurts definitely can improve. Nick Sariani could definitely improve. The run game still can get better. I still think they're leaving a little bit of meat on the bone. The secondary receiving options can get better. But where they are at 6-7, and seven, to see how many times they put up 30-plus points in a game, how many times that they have won them football games, this offense is what I've wanted. And where I thought they should be at this point in 2020, last year, not this year. So I'm very surprised. And I'm very happy. And I'll never be mad at a surprise. That's one thing. Piece of cake, a cookie, a good football team. I'll take any surprise that there is. And we'll find out if this Eagles team really is truly a good football team when we come back from the bye week. But that'll do it for me, Gino Camilleri, here on this edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, your first listen of each and every day. And if you have to get a second listen, and if you're on the road, if you're in your car, if you're just sitting at home, make sure you check out for your second listen of each and every day, the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs with your host, your boy Q, Raiders host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. I think he was one of our most well-receptive guests here on the show and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, the same platforms where you could find the Lockdown Eagles podcast, Odyssey, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple 
You can find us on YouTube. You can find us written work on Fox 43. Find me on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. Find my co-host at DBOCLOE and find the mothership at Locked On Birds. All on Twitter and just check us out all year long. We're always talking shop, always talking birds. We are literally always talking birds. I'm telling you, go check out both of our timelines. It is 95% Philadelphia Eagles when I'm not talking about soccer and I'm not talking about my Oregon Ducks who let me down once again. But a team that will never let you down and a team that we always love, a team in midnight green, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. We are always talking birds 24-7. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. And fly, Eagles, fly.